Last week, we began a study I'm calling The Life Worth Pursuing. You know, the experience of eternal life, that is eternity, that is life with God, is not just down the road someday, but it begins the day that you become a Christian. Uh, a definition of eternal life that we're going to be using throughout this series goes like this. Eternal life is an intimate and interactive life with God forever, beginning right now. Eternal life is an intimate and interactive life with God forever beginning now. Now, as true as that is, it's not always very clear. Now, think about some of the trajectories of life after conversion. Now, all of these, I want to say this very gently, all of these positions can be held by people who are very good-intentioned and good-hearted, but we still need to draw them out and, and, and talk about them. The first one we'll call hands in the pocket. It's where someone might say, I was baptized because I needed to be saved, but I'm not sure what to do next. And so the gospel becomes reduced to hands in the pocket until we get to heaven. The danger is an irrelevant and unengaged faith to life and to the world around us. The second is follow the rules. After conversion, the Christian life is characterized by turning the Bible into a rule book. When you turn the Bible into a rule book, it stops being about God and it starts being about you and your ability to keep the rules. Now, rules are good. Don't get me wrong. Rules are, are great. Rules are good, but they don't necessarily change the heart. Just ask the Pharisees. The danger is that moral behavior doesn't mean a heart for God or a heart like God. The, the rule-following mindset doesn't always create the life that those rules are pointing to. And then number three, I got to be me. This is where someone might say, I'm saved by grace and God accepts me as I am. You know, I remember sitting down some years ago with a husband whose marriage was in trouble and he said, I don't know what the problem is. She knew I was like this when she married me. This is just who I am. The danger in thinking like that, especially when it comes to the gospel and our lives as disciples, is missing the boat on the rich, abundant life in the kingdom of God. Now again, all of these can be held by well-intentioned people, but they still completely miss the point of the gospel, eternal life, and the kingdom of God coming near and coming to bear on human life. I mean, yes, it is about the forgiveness of sins. And yes, it is about heaven and not hell. And yes, it is about escaping judgment. But it's so much more than just that. I was in a three-day webinar with N.T. Wright on 2 Corinthians this past week, and he reminded us of this gigantic truth. And here's a snippet from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul says, For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. I mean, what a magnificent passage that is about our future. And Wright invites us to think about a friend, a very good friend, somebody that we love very much and we're concerned about. He gets very, very sick or she gets very, very sick, goes into the hospital, is there for a time, is healed and comes out. But they've lost a tremendous amount of weight and they're now gaunt. And when we see them, we're happy to see them. But as we turn away, we think to ourselves, they're just a shadow, just a shadow of themselves. The good news of the gospel and the resurrection of Jesus and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is that you, right now, are just a shadow of your future self. There is a future you that is more real than the present 
you. And it is that future you that you are heading towards. Now, here is the big main idea that I want you to get today. And it's this, to be born again, that is to be converted, to be baptized, to, to repent and to confess that Jesus is Lord, to be saved. To be born again is to become truly human again. To be born again is to become truly human again. This is what Jesus is talking about on the Sermon on the Mount when he says at the end of chapter 5, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, God obviously is perfect, and God is sinless, and so on and so forth. But there is so much more to the word perfect, teleos, than just this. The word teleos is about growing up and maturing. It's about being full-grown and about being full-blown. Paul uses the word in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, when he writes about uh, becoming mature disciples in Christ, attaining to the, full, the whole measure of Christ. And from there, just a few verses later, at the beginning of chapter 5, Paul says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. You know, a, a life that physically, profoundly, greatly, richly, deeply, beautifully reflects God back into the world is what it means to be truly human. Now, there's going to be more on that next week, but here's the big question I want to ask right now. I mean, how do we do that? Uh, recently, I watched ESPN's documentary, The Last Dance, which was about the, the 1990s Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan and all those championships. Now, it had been a long time since I had seen Michael Jordan play, and I was reminded just how spectacular he was. You remember the famous photo where he has jumped from the beginning of the key, and he's up in the air. It looks like he's walking on air. That tongue is hanging out. He's got the ball half-cocked by his head just as he's about to dunk it. I mean, I, when, every time I see that picture, I'm reminded that basketball is not natural to human beings. And watching me play basketball should be enough to prove that point. So how did Jordan do it? How did Jordan walk on air and dunk the basketball like that? Here's how. Jordan dunked the basketball a thousand times, and on the thousand and first time, it was second nature. The word virtuoso is a word that we often associate with violinists, right? I would argue that playing the violin, like dunking a basketball, is not natural to humans. If you've ever heard somebody who's never picked up a violin before pick it up and start to play it, it's the screeching and the scratching sound, you would agree. So how does a Joshua Bell become a Joshua Bell? How does a Joshua Bell become a virtuoso? It's when he takes a piece of music, he plays it a hundred times until on the hundred and first time it becomes second nature. A virtuoso is somebody who has this incredible freedom to play because of a thousand decisions made before. It's where something that is not natural becomes second nature. Now the word virtue, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with this, I mean, there's, it's correct. Virtue is often thought to mean something like good, as in, you know, her vir virtue is beyond reproach. That's right. That's what it means. But it means a little bit more than that. Uh, virtue is the compilation of a lot of decisions and actions to live in a certain way as character is being formed. In our faith, it's the disciple moving more and more into the likeness of Jesus in his actions, words, and affections by deciding day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute, circumstance after circumstance, time after time, to do what it is that Jesus would do if he himself were in that moment in that place. 
Now, I want to, to uh, expand this a little bit, and in the time that we have left, I want to give you a three-part plan to become virtuosos when it comes to living as disciples of Jesus in the world. And it begins with this phrase that we're going to break apart into three pieces. The phrase is this, live like Jesus with the help of the Spirit until Jesus is formed with you. Live like Jesus with the help of the Spirit until Jesus is formed in you. Again, let's break it down. Number one, live like Jesus. Very simply put, we are disciples. That is what we are called to be. We are called to follow him as his disciples. Living like him, living like the Messiah Jesus is our goal. Following him not only defines what our life looks like, but it also defines how that is all going to be accomplished. It's accomplished by following him. We have apprenticed ourselves to Jesus to learn how to live the, the, the Jesus life in the world today. So, question, do you know the difference between a virtue and a vice? The answer is a vice is formed by doing nothing. Just live a fallen human life. Living like Jesus, on the other hand, is not the human default setting. Virtue is created in decisions and actions and behaviors and affections that you intentionally make each and every day, regardless of the circumstance. There is no way around this. Think about generosity. Generosity, kingdom generosity, is not natural to human beings, but it becomes second nature in a thousand decisions to worship God and God alone. Think about self-control. Self-control is, is, is not a human default setting. Self-control is not natural, but it's the result of a thousand opportunities, a thousand decisions to deny self, to put somebody else ahead of you, to, to be controlled by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Whoever claims, John writes in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, whoever claims to live in him must walk, must walk as Jesus did. There is no way around this. So we decide we are going to live like Jesus in every aspect of our life, which leads then to number two, with the help of the Spirit. To live like Jesus is not something that you can do by yourself or do on your own. You make the decision to do it, but you cannot do it on your own. Paul says in Galatians chapter two, that if righteousness could be attained by the law, then the Messiah died in vain. This is one of the biggest differences between Christianity and other religions. The indwelling of the Spirit brings out of us, it draws out of us, it develops in us the life that we were always meant to live. Here are a couple of verses. Romans chapter 8, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So you live like Jesus with the help of the Spirit until number three, Christ is formed in you or until Jesus is formed in you. This is a little phrase that Paul describes, uses to describe his desire for the churches in the region of Galatia. In Galatians chapter 4, he says, you know, I'm in the, the, the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in in you, which means that Christ is how you habitually, regularly, continually, consistently choose to live and do live in the world around us. The world around us. I've been thinking a lot about the world around us and the challenge of the now. We have this present pandemic. 
we have this present pandemic mixed with profound issues of race and racism. We have economic woes and we have political concerns with an election coming up. This, I think, with all of my heart, is absolutely a moment. It is a moment for the church and the kingdom of God on earth to be steadfast because our hopes are not in a donkey or an elephant, but in a lamb to bring an everlasting and eternal solution to the difficulties and dangers of living as a person of color in the world, to be generous beyond our ability because we have given first of all ourselves to God and to live with strength and peace during the pandemic that has shaken every nation on the planet because we as disciples of Jesus are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Our world needs love, but especially the spectacular love of God poured into the hearts of men by the Spirit of God until it overflows into the streets. Our world always needs brave people, but especially those who courageously pick up their cross and follow Jesus and die daily every day. We need healing of every disease and infection, but especially the healing that leads to eternal life. Our world needs enemies, not just to go to neutral cor corners, but to be reconciled to each other because they are reconciled to God through the cross of Jesus. Our world needs the calm demeanor of people who belong to the one who calmed the stormy seas. Our world needs people who have developed the virtue of living like Christ. Our world needs people in whom Christ has been formed. That is our endeavor.